Hebrews 10 tonight and verse number 19. The Bible says, Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he hath consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold, fa hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more, as you see the day approaching. Let's pray. Father, I pray you'd help me tonight. Lord, I pray you'd touch my mind and touch my body. Lord, I pray you'd allow me to preach tonight exactly as you'd have me to preach. Lord, I pray tonight, God, that I would not seek to impress or, Lord, to wow those that are here. But, Lord, I pray I'd seek for your glory and not preach for your glory and honor. Lord, I pray, God, tonight you'd help us. Lord, we know that the day is approaching when your son's going to return. Lord, I'm thankful like Miss Kim sung tonight that there will come a day where we won't have to weep anymore. Lord, that all the tears will be dried from our eyes. There'll be no more late nights and there'll be no more dark valleys. But God, until then, help us, Lord, to learn something tonight that may help us, Lord, on this journey in which we're on. We love you tonight, Lord. I thank you again for this opportunity. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. You can be seated. The Bible says in verse number 25, and I believe it's been about two weeks since we preached from this text, so kind of give you a little refresher before we move on. It says, But exhorting one another, and so much the more, as ye see the day approaching. And uh, I, I said this two weeks ago, but the, there's a high likelihood that you probably have forgotten uh, in my life, I've heard this verse quoted many times. Uh, you know, this is, uh, I believe, a preacher's one of their favorite verses. Amen. One man said it's the most quoted verse by preachers and the least obeyed verse by congregants in the church. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. But a lot of times I've seen that the latter part of the verse is ignored. And it's almost like they get you get down to the end and you just say it just to get it over with to finish the verse. But I believe with all my heart uh, that the real the real key to it all is that we see the day approaching. You know, tonight if we all were convinced completely, totally one hundred percent convinced that Jesus could come back at any moment, church attendance would never be a problem. It never would. Did you know that if we were convinced tonight, and I mean completely, totally convinced, that Jesus was coming back and that it was imminent, that means it could happen at any moment, at any time. If we really believe what we said we believe, we wouldn't have a problem being a witness. We wouldn't have, what, what if you thought tomorrow was the last day you could ever go to work and talk to your, your co-workers about the Lord? And if, and after, if you really believe what I'm saying, I'm not throwing rocks, I'm saying me, myself, and I, we all, tonight, when we need to be reminded that the key to it all is that we see the day approaching. Do you know tonight that we have lost sight of the day of the Lord? I, I mentioned it last time. There's the day of the Lord, then there's the day of Christ. And, and, and they're two separate days. They're not the same day. They're two separate days. A whole lot of misunderstanding 
about prophecy and the end times goes, but because goes, it's because of a misunderstanding of those two words. It's just like the rapture of the church and the return of Christ. Those are two separate events. The return of Christ is when He comes to the earth and He sets foot on the earth. The rapture of the church, when He comes, He's coming in the clouds. He'll never set foot on earth. One is, one is going to be invisible. One's going to be visible. All eyes will see Him on the return of the Lord when He comes to the earth. And the day of Christ and the day of the Lord are two separate events. The day of Christ is when He's coming for us. Amen? That's the day of Christ. It's a day of joy. It's a day of celebration. A day of reunion. A day of reward. The day of Christ is a great day. The day of the Lord is a terrible and a dreadful thing. That's when He cometh, Jude said, in Jude, uh, I believe it's verse 9, or Jude verse, it's right there, you can look, there's only 25 verses, so you can find it real quick. He, he said that Enoch prophesied, saying, Behold, the Lord cometh to execute judgment upon all. That's the day of the Lord. The day of Christ, however, is what the day Paul is referencing here. You and I must live every day in light of the imminent Return of Jesus Christ. What that means, Ty, is there is nothing that needs to take place for Jesus to come. He can come any moment. He could come at any moment. Paul believed in that. Do you believe it? I, I, this is one, and I'm not going to get sidetracked tonight. I'm going to do my best. And I may not hot stomp and spit and holler tonight. I don't know if I can, to be honest with you. <laughs> I'm pretty exhausted. But I want to talk to you and I want you to listen. The Apostle Paul believed in the imminent return of Jesus Christ. And who am I to argue with the Apostle Paul? You say, prove it. I'm glad you asked. I knew you was thinking that, Ty. You didn't say it, but you was thinking it. The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 4 uh, and 13, he said, I would not have to be sorrowful as others. Let's just look at it. I don't want to misquote the Scripture. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. One of the greatest texts on the day of Christ. He said, what's the big deal about this? Well, we need to know why we believe what we believe. And somebody comes to you at work or at school or somewhere else and tries to tell you that you need to get ready for the tribulation. You need to build you a bomb shelter and, 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 and get you some water built up and food supply and all this stuff. Then you can tell them, no, I don't believe in that. I'm not going to be here for the tribulation. Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 4.13, But I would not have you be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that you sorrow not even as others which have no hope. The church at Thessalonica, people had convinced them that the dead were dead and they're going to stay dead. He says, For if we believe... Now, notice these... What's we? Can you help me, Miss Kim? What is we? Is that an adjective or adverb or a pronoun? Oh, I see, I got it. Third time's a charm. Notice these pronouns. He says, for if we, you see that, if we believe. Now, who's he? when he said we, is that including himself? Is he talking about uh, A.D., whenever this was, A.D. 60 to 70? I believe that's what he's talking to the, the churches. He said, if we believe that Jesus died <laughs> and rose again, even so them also which sleep in God, in Jesus, will God bring with him. For this we send you, by the word, Lord, that we which are alive and remain in the coming of the Lord shall not... Paul believed he was going to see the coming of the Lord in his day. 
And there's other, he says, For the Lord himself shall descend from him with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain. He said we. He said, Paul thought he was going to see Christ come. The Bible says, In such an hour you think not the Son of Man cometh. If you tell me that if, if, if it's after the tribulation, then it's not an hour that I think not. Because, Brother David, the very moment they signed the peace treaty, the very moment that the whole world is at peace with Israel and the temple is built and the covenant's made, from that day, I'm going to mark my calendar. And so we got seven years. Now, it's a Jewish calendar, so it's not, uh, uh, it's 360 days. So if, if you think that, so you can do the math, 360 times 7, that's like 2,560 days. So there, guess what? It's not imminent. All I got to do is make it to 2,560 days, and I can say on that day, the Lord's come back. If you believe in the mid-trib rapture, then you can say, well, if when, the, when it starts, then we got three and a half years. You understand? All I'm saying is the imminent return of Christ. Every day we live, we must realize that that's the day Jesus could come. Amen. Jesus could come. Anyhow, we said that in verse 19 through 21, there's a reality that we must keep fresh. He says, Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he hath consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say, his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God. He reminds them, listen, in light of the fact that the day's approaching. And, and, and you, you look up that word approach. It speaks, it's talking about like when an army's coming and approaching. When, when it speaks about a vessel that's coming into harbor. He says, as we see the Lord's day coming, uh, he says, we need to keep some things uh, fresh in our mind. He's telling them in verse number 18, he's, in verse 17, and their sins and iniquities will remember no more. And, and in verse 19, he says, we have boldness in it by the blood of Jesus. What he's telling them is that they have been born again, washed in the blood, and that in light of the day approaching, we need to remind ourselves in this present world that we've been saved by the grace of God. Amen. It's so easy to get past being saved. Oh, no, no, no. Everybody says, oh, never, Brother Martin. Yes, it is. And did you know the Bible says in 2 Peter chapter 1 that if you don't add to your faith virtue, and, and, I, and I'm not going to, again, my quota's broke tonight, so y'all pray for it. But if, 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 you add, if you don't add to your faith, he says if you like these things, that you're blind and unbearing, and he says, and you can forget that you are purged from your sins. And, and so tonight, we must keep it fresh. Listen, tonight, we must, there's a reality we must keep fresh if, as we see the day approaching. Then verse number 22, <coughs> he says, and this is where I want to preach tonight, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. So as we see the day approaching, and again, I, I've not gone back, but you can, can we not see it approaching? Can we not see it approaching? Brother David, how long have you been called to preach? Ballpark. <laughs> Since said. So we're going to say 73. So 27, 47, going on 48 years. 
Can you not see that the, a day approaching? The church today and the world today, can you imagine what this man, when, when, when you pastored, I believe, was Wingo the first church? You, no, that wasn't the first. Second church you pastored. I'd say in that day you was dealing with things that, 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 that was probably, that you, would, you couldn't even imagine what we're dealing with today. Did y'all see today what come out on Goodyear Tire Company where they, they, they said that they're going to fire people? Did y'all see all that? Could you have ever imagined that? Could you, I know there's some that work for Goodyear that they've been, they'd be fired. They've been fired a long time ago. But listen, what I'm saying is we see the day approaching and we must keep that reality fresh. But in verse number 22, he said, let us draw near. Let us draw near. So as we see the day approaching, we must, there's a responsibility that we have to keep fellowship with the Lord. This evening, I am as close to God as I want to be. Do you know that I, I read this quote today by A.W. Tozer, and he says that when people backslide, they always want to blame circumstance. But in reality, there's one person in the room tonight responsible for my fellowship with God, and that's me. He said, as we see the day approaching, he said, let us draw near. Let us draw near. What I'm saying is tonight's not the time to be drawing away from God. It's time to be drawing near to God. Amen. Listen, what I'm saying is when Jesus comes, you and I, we should not have to spend a thousand years getting acquainted with Him. We should not have to spend a week getting to know Him. We should not have to spend a month trying to get on a, a, on a, on a, on a, on a close phone. You understand? When, when, when the Lord comes, it should be like seeing a friend that we just talked to that morning. Amen. If we've ever needed to draw near, it's now. He says, let us draw near. The closer we get to the day of Christ, listen to me, the stronger the pull of the world will become. Did you know what's going on? And this is just, no, I don't believe this is just Martinology. I believe if there's Bible for this, I believe the devil is getting ready for to take a last stand. Because you know what's sad? Is he can see the day approaching better than we can. Do you think that all this going on right now is just just a, uh, it's just a happen? It just so happened that all this is going on. Do you think that all this evil and all the rebellion? And, and, and by the way, that's the Bible says as it was in the days of Noah, and that's exactly what we're seeing: men doing as they want, living as they want, acting as they want, going as they want. No fear of God, no love of God. That's exactly where we are tonight. And the Bible says, as we see that, and listen tonight, there is a strong pull to pull us away from God. Do you know the only thing, brother Mark? I have to do to get away from God is stop drawing near to God. You see, you don't have to go out here tonight and go get heroin or methamphetamines or go get salt drunk. You don't have to go out here and run around on your husband. You don't have to, that's, you don't have to do that to get away from God. All you have to do is cease to draw near to God and the very moment I stop drawing near unto God, I start drawing away from God. There's no such thing as neutrality in the Christian life. There's no such thing as not going far or not going back. Either you're getting closer to Him tonight or you're getting further away. 
And oh, as we see the day approaching, we should all want to get closer to him. Amen? Amen. Because we know when we meet him, there's nothing that we'll wish we had done more than fellowship with the Lord. So how can we draw near to him? Well, he tells us here to have a true heart. A true heart. You see, tonight, if we're going to draw near, there's again, the, the responsibility of it begins with this. We must be conscientious to have a true heart. I want to ask you something tonight. Are you here with a true heart? A true heart. That word, true heart, it means one that's sincere and not with false motives. It means to be real and to be true. It used to go without saying that Christians were real and true. But what's happened is because We've, we've taken on all this unbiblical, all this unscriptural things that have come in. And everybody wants to say, preacher shouldn't say, you know, shouldn't do, you know. I could tell a minute ago, some people were getting a little nervous when I was talking about third day, Hillsong, and all that, that, that stuff. And, and, and it was making, because you probably got it on your iPad out there, or your iPod in the car, and you might have even listened to some of that and jammed on the way to church. But listen, <laughs> help me Lord. But listen, but tonight, listen, it goes with without saying that we should be real, we should be true and anything that causes me to be unreal and untrue is drawing me away from God and not drawing me to God. Amen. Well, does it matter if that song's scriptural, Brother Martin? Why can't we sing it? Because I want to be true and I want to be real. And if it ain't Bible, I can't. it's not real nor true. And so tonight, there's a lot of people living in a dream world when it comes to their walk with God. They're in a dream world. And they're like that man on Friday night. And I know now they're telling us we can't go to football games. They're going to have football games without fans. Amen. But anyhow, but anyway, but it's like that man on Friday night back in the good old days. Y'all remember back in the good old days when we could go to football games on Friday night? Anybody remember way back when we was little and how we could go to a ball game and holler and hoop and eat popcorn? Man, wasn't that wonderful back then in them good old days? But Brother Ty, it's like that man. He's sitting on the he's sitting on the fifty yard line, and it, and he's got on a coat that looks like you know it's like three sides. It's his Letterman jacket, and, and he's got his state championship ring and his region championship ring, and and, and you understand. And I mean, he's into it, and, and he's underneath that coat. He's got his jersey on that he wore in high school, and in his mind, listen, in his mind, he could go out there right then and, and be the best player on the field. But we all know what would happen. You know what he's doing? He's living in a dream world. But I'm afraid there's a lot of people that are saved tonight, but they're just like him. They're on the sideline, and in their mind, they're doing it. They're living it. They're being it. But it's all made up. You see, tonight, the only way to draw nigh to God is with a true heart. Because, listen, you can gain fellowship with man by being fake. Do you believe that? There's people like that. They, they, they're, 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 I want to be careful of the adjectives I use. But they, 
They're always trying to get better and 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 get a little little bit more notoriety and a little bit more fame and a little bit and 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 brother brother David, they're trying to rub shoulders. They want to rub shoulders with the big shots and they want they 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 want to get in there with the end crowd, the big timers, the big names. You know the names you pop, you say them names, and everybody in town knows who you're talking about. And they, and you know what they'll do? They'll fight to get close to them. Whatever those people like, they'll pretend they like it. Oh, golf, I love golf. Or, uh, oh, yes, I, yes, yes, yes. And everything, and they'll, and they'll put on a big show. And guess what? It works pretty good. How do you think all these crooks got in the, in the, in the office in, 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 the, in Washington, D.C.? By being fake. If you think for one second Nancy Pelosi is concerned about social injustice, you've been fooled. If you think sleepy Joe Biden... I've been wanting to say that and it just come out. If you think old Sleepy Joe is, is real burden about social justice, then what's he been doing in Washington for the last 30 years? You know what they're doing? They're riding that horse. They're, they'll ride whatever horse they can find to get to the power, to get to the position. And listen, I'm not saying Trump's the most social sensitive man in the world. But listen to me. I'm saying this, that it might work in Washington. It might work in the city hall. It might work at the country club. But when it comes to God, you can't get close to God being a fake and a phony. You come in church. There's people that get positions in church and get notoriety in church and they get, they get exalted in church by being untrue. By being untrue. I want to be real and true. I'm not saying I always am, but I want to be. And anybody that says they've never been untrue and they've never had an untrue heart, they're the most deceived in the whole crowd. A true heart. So, if you're drawn out of God tonight, you got to have a true heart. So I ask you, where's your heart? How do we know where our heart is? Jesus told us where our treasure is. There will your heart be also. What's the most treasures? More we say treasure, we automatically we're automatically thinking about ones, fives, tens, twenties. Y'all remember back when we had cash money? Y'all remember those good old days? And there's plenty of quarters and nickels and dimes. Y'all remember that? Anyway, back in the old days. Anyway, but I don't know what I'm trying. I don't know what or how I got sidetracked. Oh yeah, Trev. Thank you, brother. We always want to to um, put a, a dollar amount on treasure, but do you know treasure is more than just money? Amen. Yeah. It, 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 there's a whole lot of things. It's what it means. What's dear to you? What you, what you love, what you, what you care about. I mean, it's beyond money. It's your children. It's your home. It's your time. I, I mean, your time. Your time. I mean, listen, it, it's more than just money, but how do I know if I have a true heart? Then where's my heart at? And where's my treasure at? You know, one of the hardest things being a preacher in the 21st is that, yeah, century is preaching to people and, and you see in their eyes, they're here, but their heart's not. It's hard. No wonder Solomon said in Proverbs 4.23, 
keep thy heart. With all thy diligence, keep thy heart. For out of it are the issues of life. And tonight, as we see the day approaching, as we see the day approaching, in order, if we're going to have fellowship with the Lord, this responsibility to keep the fellowship with God and to walk with God and to be near to God, then we must be conscientious and keep a close watch on our heart. And anything that comes and, 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 and deceives the heart, we should avoid it at all costs. And you know, the longer you go being untrue, the easier it is to be untrue. I was watching a documentary on Ric Flair one day, The Nature Boy, 11-time world champion, the showstopper. Cadillac driving, Rolex wearing, I mean, and Ric Flair, he went through a time where he was about, some of y'all picking up what I'm putting now, but anyhow, you didn't grow up in North Georgia on bunny ears on the TV, or you would know what I'm talking about. Saturday night wrestling is the only thing we had, other than Mr. Rogers' neighborhood, you know, but... Ric Flair, on this documentary, they asked him, you know, he went through a time where he was hooked on drugs. He nearly died, I mean, several times. And he said that, that he, he played Ric Flair for so long that he really started thinking he was Ric Flair. And he said, I had to be Ric Flair uh, when I went to the party. I had to come in. I had to have the girls and the fur coat. And I, He said, I thought I was Ric Flair all the time. He said, in fact, he said, I forgot who I really even was. And the Lord... Amazing God can use something like that to convict a preacher's heart. He said, how many times have you forgot who you really are? You see, that's, that's the danger of being a hypocrite tonight is when you live a hypocritical life, there'll come a point in time where you'll be convinced the person you're trying to convince others you are is the person you really are. We must be true, have a true heart. He says in verse number 22, in full assurance of faith, not only must we be conscientious, but we must be confident, full assurance of faith. This means unwavering confidence. A fullness of faith in God which leaves no room for doubt. Follow me now. If we are going to draw near to God, the only way to do it is by faith. Most of us are waiting on something we can see, we can hold, we can touch, we can feel, and then we'll draw nigh to God. But if we're going to draw nigh to God, it's only with a heart full of faith. It means this, that when my mind is telling me it's not working, I draw near. When my body is telling me it's not working, I draw near. When my enemies tell me it's not working, I draw near. It's like Job in Job 1 when he lost everything he had. Have you ever asked yourself how could Job do what Job did in light of all that had happened to him? Can you imagine having it all taken away like that? Literally, Brother David, one messenger after another were lined up at the door waiting to come in. And one come in and said, your children are dead. And one come in and said, all your servants are dead. Another come in, all your livestock's dead. Another one come one after another after another. And what did Job do? The Bible says he worshiped the Lord and said, blessed be the name of the Lord. The Lord giveth, the Lord taketh, blessed. How could Job do that? Because Job did it by faith. Amen. You see, we're saying this, I'll get close to God if... 
If I can get that job, then I'm going to get close to God. If, my, if I get that prayer answered, then I'll get close to him. But we must do it by faith. That means when circumstances say it's not worth it, we draw near to God. When, when our body says don't do it, we draw near to God. When our friends, when the, when, the, when, the going trend, when the going trend in the world is not to draw near to him, listen, we must do it by faith, by faith. The Bible says with full assurance of faith. And listen, uh, tonight, we, there's a responsibility to keep fellowship, and we must do it on faith. Let me ask you this. I'm trying to hurry. I've asked y'all a lot tonight. Fuck like y'all back to school. Hey, this is a warm-up for school kids. Have you ever really set out to get close to God? I mean, you really made up your mind. You was going to get close to God. And then some circumstance, some problem, some issue, somebody, something. I'm talking about some tangible something happened to you that caused you to draw back and think, Should I, is, am I doing the right thing? Why do you think that is? Because that's an attempt to keep you from living by faith. We must be confident, but he says, in our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. If we're going to draw near to God and keep fellowship with Him, we must be clean. He says, having our hearts sprinkled from and our bodies washed with the pure water. Do you notice the order there? It starts on the inside and it works to the outside. James 4, he says, Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. We must be clean. God, Listen, God is holy and we must be holy if we want to enjoy His presence. An evil conscience is a consciousness of evil. Or a conscience that is oppressed with sin, that is a conscience that accuses of guilt. So, how does a believer have an evil conscience? Unconfessed sin. It's talking about a guilty conscience. You ever had a guilty conscience? My brother and I was in Big, uh, Big G one day at Gaines, in Gainesville, Georgia. It's the first time I ever stole anything. First time. But anyhow... We was in Big G, and we was in the line checking out. And uh, my brother John, I don't guess he's gotten in trouble his whole life. I mean, I don't think he's ever got a speeding ticket. I don't think he's ever even got a warning, much less a speeding ticket. I mean, he's just always been, you know, the good and, and everything. He's in front of me, and, and I'm looking at this. Uh, uh, I'm looking. Now, you kids, I'm just I'm on, God's forgive me of all this. So, listen, that's the illustration of the sermon. I'm wanting to backtrack right now, but I've done open the can. i got to go, go ahead and get the worms out. But. But we're standing in line at Big G, and I look over there, and there's the prettiest keychain I've ever seen in my life. Now, I'm like seven years old. It's the prettiest keychain I've ever seen in my life. And uh, uh, I'm looking at it, and uh, I'm admiring it. I, now, I don't have a car, so why would I need a keychain? <laughs> I mean, I, I, my daddy don't even let us have the key to the go-kart or the four-wheeler. But I wanted a keychain. So I come up with a plan. I, I, I dropped it in the back of my, my brother's shirt. And to this day, I don't know how he didn't know it was back there. Y'all pray for him about that. But I dropped that keychain in his back of his shirt. And I just kind of looked around. You know, this is back before all this high-tech cameras. The, they couldn't see what I was doing. Anyway, um, we get out to the car. And, and I'm, I bump John on the elbow. And Mama's putting stuff in the car. And I said, he pulled the shirt and the keychain fell out. 
And my mom looked over there and seen the key chain. She looked up at John. I said, I can't believe you stole that, John. I did. And he started crying. Mom, I didn't do it. I didn't do it. I said, I said, it fell out of his shirt. I mean, here I am. I mean, I got, I mean, look, I mean, here, we got eyewitnesses here. There's physical evidence. I mean, we've got the judge, mama. We've got witnesses. It's time to go ahead, whoop him, wear him out. And she was so embarrassed. She didn't want to go back in there. So we took it. She, she, so she's an accomplice to the crime too. And we got home and she, she made John go out to the cherry tree, the cherry tree, and get a switch. And I'm sitting there like, oh, this is so wrong. You know, I'm like, this is so wrong. I can't believe I'm doing this to him. He's screaming and hollering. Oh, I can't believe. And about the time she came, I said, okay. I said, I admit it. <laughs> and I confessed to her. And, and she got so tickled about it, neither one of us got a whooping. But, 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 but don't worry, we did suffer. My dad set us up with a, a police officer. His last name was Latimer. He met us at, we was going fishing at the Beef Corral. We, no, we was going fishing on Friday night at a, a pay pond, and, and we went to the Beef Corral, which was a buffet, to eat before we went catfishing. And while we was in there, this police officer come in. We didn't know who he was. Him and my dad were best friends for years back. And he said, I'm looking for two boys, last name Martin, in here. Anyway, long story short, he sort he cuffed us and put us in the back of the car and scared us. I mean, we we was looking for we was I mean we had just watched Ernest goes to jail and we was scared to death and we we was we was we was praying for a, a switch. You know what I'm saying? But I don't know how all that an evil conscience. Have you ever? You cannot draw nigh to God with an unclean conscience. And so he says that we must have our hearts sprinkled and then our bodies washed. Anybody that says the outside doesn't matter doesn't know the Bible. Favorite verse, the world likes to quote, man looketh on the outward appearance and God looketh on the heart. But the truth is man looketh on the outward appearance. But we don't do what we do for man, do we? We do what we do for God. So where's that? That's having our hearts sprinkled. If I have my heart right, it'll, it'll take care of the outside. Amen. So tonight, as we see the day approaching, let's all draw near to Him. You know, the secret, I believe, in everything when it comes to serving the Lord is fellowship. Fellowship. The first person we should meet each day is the Lord. The first thing we should do each day is talk to Him and live close to Him. And did you know this? I believe the way for a church to keep fellowship is each person keep fellowship with the Lord. Because the closer I am to Him, Brother Jason, and you are to Him, the closer we are to each other. 